Welcome to the Lisa Wexler Show podcast. Think of it like a magazine or a box of chocolates. You never know what you'll get. From politics to pop culture, healthcare to legal issues, it's all here. And my behind-the-wheel chats are personal observations created especially for you on podcast only. Enjoy. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a -a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Care Patrol of Connecticut in New York is your number one partner for securing safe senior living options and navigating the senior care continuum. Their services are at no cost to you, and they guide you through the entire process. Visit www.carepatrolct.com for details. I am a lineman for the county And I drive the main road Searching in the sun for another You know that that song, Wichita Lyman, I believe is one of the top 500 songs written of the 20th century. Uh, And we had a chance to interview the great composer Jimmy Webb not too long ago. And I love that song, and I love how applicable it is to our next guest, Moses Rams, who is here with us today. Hello, Mr. Rams. Nice to meet you. Your Honor, it's a pleasure to meet you. Uh, Call me Lisa. Please call me Lisa. So um, shall I call you Moses or Mr. Rams? Moses. Moses, Okay. So, And your title for United Illuminating in terms of the union, you are? I am the president of the local, UWA Local 4701. And tell me uh, how many people are in the union? Oh, it's it's close to about 500. 500 people. Yeah. And are they working on the lines? Not all 500, I wish. No. Uh, no <laughs> about 100 of them. There's different tasks, electricians, substation, a call center, billing. It's, we run the whole gamut. I was reading about you, uh, and on your bio, you say that working uh, for UI in the utilities changed, and you actually said saved your life. What's the story? Well, growing up in Bridgeport, that's why I was so uh, in tune to what you were saying earlier. I understand uh, the difficulties of coming from uh, um, an area that doesn't have the same opportunities. Uh, One of the main opportunities was always UI. And people will always tell you you can't go wrong with a utility and get a job at the gas company, UI. And as a result of me joining there, I've been able to live a very comfortable life. And 
a very fulfilling job. I love being a lineman. Uh, I love so this. you're one of the people that when our lights go out in the middle of a hurricane or snowstorm, you yes, save us? Absolutely. You rescue us? I do. I rescue Thank you. Thank you for that. <laughs> you're welcome. Really? We really, and you know, at UI, we take it personal when the power is out. Uh, all of the guys, the people that I represent, have a passion to keep the lights on. I think that's what makes us as good as we are. It's wonderful. It's such a hard job, and you do it in the most grueling of conditions, and you're up in these little baskets. Yeah. How do you learn how to do that? What's the kind of training involved? Oh, well, it starts with a qualification of do you have a fear of heights? And the way that, oh. we, the way that we identify that is you climb the pole, not in a bucket. You actually have to give the tools and equipment and the necessary training, and you climb. And as a result of being successful there, then it introduces you to the bucket. And, but that's the easy part. The, the hard part is now handling 13,000 volts of electricity in your hands without blowing up. Uh, so it's 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 intense course. It's about a four-year curriculum. And we monitor it every quarter or in every six months. There's testing and retesting and retraining. Our industry is constantly changing, innovations and such. Do you have enough qualified people to do that? Because figure, physically rigorous work, it seems like we have a shrinking pool of applicants. H- hands down, uh Nobody wants to do this type of work. Mm. Uh, a lot of young children now or kids in high school are encouraged, you're only going to be successful if you go to college. So at, at UI, we actually, this was our first year, of, we have a very successful intern program where we went out to um, the, the tech, vocational technical schools and we introduced what we do to them to encourage them. And we had a summer internship where we exposed a number of kids to the work that we do in hopes that it identifies an alternate route. It's a great thing. Yes. And we need people to keep doing these jobs. I'm going to argue that in the next half a century, the kind of work that you do is going to be uh, more in demand and more well-paid than a lot of other desk jobs because there are going to be fewer people that can actually do it. That's right. And um, as somebody smart said it, I heard it recently, uh, get a job that a robot can't do. That's right. So mm-hmm. that's, the you know, right. obviously climbing goals. And, and so far... Right. Robots aren't doing that so far. <laughs> Not to mention having the brain power to handle that electricity at the same time. Yes. And it is dangerous work, is it not? It is extremely Moses. dangerous. It's uh, typically in the top five to ten deaths in the, this country. Uh, in terms of occupational hazards. Occupational hazards, yes. So, uh, okay. And you've been doing this for how long? 34 years. 34 years. Wow. Well, you look in great shape. How do you stay in great shape to do the job? Nothing is uh, light where we work. Everything is heavy. Everything's heavy. So literally doing the job keeps you in good Literally doing the job does, yeah. Okay. So, and by any chance are you in Westport? I'm just curious. Uh, No. No. UI is Fairfield, right? Fairfield. Fairfield. uh, Southport is as far south as we go. Southport. Okay. So, I'm so glad that you came in. So, this has been a particularly uh, difficult season for people who have a vested interest in utilities, which I'm going to argue is everybody. Uh, in fact, I am. I have a condo in Fairfield. I'm a rate payer to UI. So I'm like everybody else, right? Um, and you have a great vested interest in making sure you have job security, job training, well-paid jobs, and all of that. And the company has a vested interest in always being able to have enough money to be in business to do what it does, but also make a profit for its shareholders. So everybody's got an interest. Now, um, this year, Pura... Uh, decided that it would, in the first rate case heard by Marissa Gillette, our chair of Pura, that they wanted to reduce, substantially reduce, the amount of money that UI asked for in the way of a rate increase. 
And I'm, I'm going to play a few clips of the interview that I did with her and allow you to respond because I really want to hear what you have to say. But let's do it in context. Let's play clip one. We'll just start. So, <laughs> so catch us up. The news headlines. Well, you were on and you spoke about the draft of the mm-hmm. rate increase for the first rate case that you've had against UI, your opportunity to really weigh in on this. And initially, mm-hmm. initially, I believe the draft allowed UI about $3 million in increases, but they wanted over $100 million, something like that. And, and They then, did. They yes, wanted $131 million. $131 million. And then all of a sudden, there were protests from the rank and file of UI, the union people. They went to Hartford. They excoriated your name in the press. They got a little ugly and angry, and they threatened that if UI didn't get enough rate increases, that they were going to lose their jobs. Now, how do you and how did your staff and Pura as an agency, how do you respond to that? You know, it's a, it's a fantastic question. It's something that I you know, deeply struggled with the last couple of weeks because, um, you know, there was an interesting article. Well, there were many articles interesting for different reasons. Um, one that pointed out that the union workers were in the middle. And I really took that to heart. Like, this was not a a case about, um, you know, sticking it to the worker. In fact, I think the line workers, that the men and women who do that job are some of the most underappreciated, undervalued uh, members of our society. They're out there in all conditions. Um, And this case was not about them. It was about the management of their company. And one thing that really struck struck me was this allegation that they didn't have a seat at the table, because I don't think that's a commentary about me or Pura or our process, but rather a commentary about a reflection of their own management structure. Um, you know, Pura, um, rate payers generally, what, what you don't know is that your rates go towards the salaries of all these people, which include people who are paid to participate in Pura proceedings. So if the workers of UI do not feel like their interests and their positions are being adequately represented by their management in these dockets, uh, that's a management problem. And it's certainly one that Pura takes interest in because uh, the company is representing to us that this is their position. Um, So I think we're going to be taking a harder look at that outside of uh, this specific proceeding. But I was also really troubled by some of the, the blatant misinformation that was Uh, floating out there um, because there were certainly aspects uh, that we were hearing criticism of that were just simply not a reflection of reality. And um, I'm happy to address those and correct the record wherever we can. We're going to let her do that and we're going to get into that. Uh, But Mr. Rams, Moses Rams is with us. He is the leader of the union. Comments on that? Well, there's a lot to unravel there. Um, I know. I'll I'll start with uh, the blatant mischaracterization of the rally. Go ahead. Um, it was said that we were ugly but you, and I, angry. Okay. And, you know, there is... I don't mean that you're that, ugly and angry. No, what not, I meant was but, that when I said... Right. I just want to defend what I said, what, what, what I meant by what I said, whatever. Um, when I said it got ugly, I just meant that based on media reports that I read, that it was mixed up a little bit. In other words, the fact that there were protests. But, of course, I love protests, and I would never, ever want to imply that you don't have a right to speak up. That's what I want to say. 
All right. Well, I appreciate that. I just, but you know, when you hear that on the radio, that you know, no one there was angry. It, it actually resembled more of a book club than anything else. Really, there was about 160 of us uh, that work at UI, okay, who really wanted to show the state that we care about this decision. Yeah. There wasn't a protest. We didn't set any garbage cans on fire. Nobody broke any windows. Uh, it was peaceful. We were there just to show that we care. Okay. And, that, and that's what it was now, about. Now, did you get a chance, did any of you get a chance to speak at the Pure hearing? I, uh, we hadn't had that chance. I actually requested a meeting with the commission, and I was turned down. So when someone says that uh, it's a management's problem, that I didn't have a seat at the table, I requested. I filed as an intervener for our local. I see. And I was denied a, a, an opportunity to speak to anyone ahead of the decision. So it's, you know, it's kind of misinformation to say that management has the decision-making and that management is speaking for us. And, and in this case, yeah, we, we share an interest in everything management put forward. Okay. You can't not separate the health of the company with the health of the employees. So they can say very that nice things. That sounds like something that every mediator and every labor <laughs> yeah. negotiation would agree with. Yes. That's exactly true. You want to sit down at UAW and fix that? We're going to be right back with Moses Rams in a minute. 203-333-9422. We're talking about United Illuminating. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Stay tuned. And we're back with Moses Rams, who's the leader of the United Illuminating Union, who's been a, uh, an employee for over 30 years, who's been on the line many times himself, and he looks like a strong man ready to come and rescue us when the hurricanes come. Moses, welcome back to the show. Thank you. Uh, all right. I want to continue. So I want to play a little bit more of that interview. This is Marissa Gillette for Pura. And just to keep you up to date, the decision that Pura rendered has just been appealed. So it's actually going to be up to a Superior Court judge to decide whether or not, or to what extent or not, Pura went beyond the boundary. Now, Attorney General William Tong is uh, very much defending the decision of Pura, saying that they were within their bounds to do what they did, but the company sees it differently. Let's play clip two. And we found a couple of things that we felt um, we either didn't have as strong uh, evidence for or were worth another look, um, including some things where the company didn't uh, didn't meet its burden, but we still felt uh, was worth um, taking another look at. And one of those things in particular was the training budget for the workers. You know, we, we felt like UI had not met its burden in asking for that money, um, but because uh, that training money is theoretically going to go support the workers um, directly in maintaining, uh, you know, qualifications for their job. We revisited that. We, um, you know, also slightly raised their uh, return on equity, which is their profit margin. Um, you know, not something that I was particularly happy about, but, you know, there are three of us that have to vote on these decisions. Mm-hmm. So 
a couple of things, um, you know, in the margins. And talking about that, when you say not that we really know how it's going to be spent, you don't micromanage. Mm-hmm. You you don't micromanage the spending. You're not capable of doing that, are you, as an agency? And not only are we not staffed to do that, but we're not allowed to do that. Right. I think that's a common misconception is that, you know, these utilities are well compensated to run run the day-to-day business. And it's not the regulator's job or role to micromanage as much as I think some of them might benefit from that. Um, but you caught exactly what I was um, hoping you, you would in that statement, which is, Rate cases set rates based on a snapshot in time. So even though we have approved them to spend however many millions of dollars it was on training, in between rate cases, it's up to the management of that company on how they're going to spend the money day to day, which was another big issue in this case was that they told their union workers, um, based on comments in the press, that Pura had slashed its workforce, and if the decision was maintained, the workforce would be undercut. And it's simply not true. What we did was set rates then before I got here in 2017 based on an assumption that, that UI was going to hire 200 more workers. They didn't. And that was a very big part of the interview, Moses Ram, because what Marissa Gillette said and part of the reason that she gave for the fact that Pura decided to not give UI as much money this time as they wanted was she cited the fact that in the past, certain rate increases, which are passed on to the consumers, were granted. However, the money that was promised to be used towards specifically hiring workers was not allocated that way. Uh, I think that uh, she should probably take a closer look because I don't find that to be accurate. Uh, we've had a number of line schools, we call them, where we've recruited people to come. We've hired call center reps. We've been in over the course of the last few years within the last rate case. We have hired. We've lost a lot of people. Uh, people left because of other reasons for retirement, and we've been actively trying to pursue that now. But as a net gain, did you have a net gain of another 200 people? Of 200 total, and, and not in not in the union side? Well, overall in the company, I don't know what that number is. I know on the union side, we had a net gain. You did have a net gain. Yeah. Well, these are the facts. I have no way of knowing you right. know, what is or isn't. But that was one of the reasons I thought you should hear as to why Pura made the decision that it made. And, you know, the other thing I just want to let our audience know is that UI, we tend to think of as a local company. Obviously, you're a local person and, you know, you love and live and work in our community. But UI is no longer a standalone. It's owned by Avangrid, which is more of a regional utility. And Avangrid is owned by a company called Iberdrola.com, a Spanish multinational electric utility company based in Bilbao, Spain, with a workforce of over 34,000 employees. In their last, in their last, um, in their last reporting of revenue, they had a net profit margin of 9.58%, beating the expectations. So I just want um, I just want you to know as a union member, and I know this comes down very locally, but when these decisions about rates are thought about, they're thought about in the context of shareholder profits. That's what they're thought about. And that's one of the reasons I believe, after speaking with Marissa Gillette so often about this, it's one of the reasons why the $131 million grant wasn't given. 
Well, and, and that's the reason why I asked for an audience with the commission. Please. Um, I, I wanted to address that you, you can't separate the, the, the two items. Uh, we are going to be definitely impacted by this, for example, the 96-hour rule. Tell me what that is. A 96-hour rule was just uh, put in place by the state that every storm has to be resolved in 96 hours. Oh, that was because of Isaias. Because and of Isaias. So, so imagine we have a workforce that we weren't allowed to increase in this last rate case, and now you're going to ask all these line workers and all these utility workers to work even more hours to try to meet this goal. And, and, it and seems unfair. It, it seems unfair. Not to mention possibly undoable unless you bring in line workers from the region. But unfortunately, storms tend to hit a region at a time. And so the line workers are dispersed by virtue of the event. In the same week around the introduction of the draft decision, the governor had a press conference which said in, I think, by 2035, we're going to be an all green state and we're striving to plug everybody's car in. So you would think if the commissioners would partner with us and say, how do we sustain a grid to plug all of our cars in in 10 years from now? And, and who's going to maintain these lines over the next 10 years to, to keep it sustainable? So that, that's the conversation that I was looking to have with someone and say, put me in a position to succeed, me and the people I represent. Yeah, and you realize that Pura doesn't think that they're working against you because they don't necessarily see your interests as being the exact same as the people who are petitioning for the rate increase. They, 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 it's exactly what Marissa said. She thinks you're caught in the middle. You don't agree? I, I don't agree necessarily. I don't disagree completely either, but uh, we are caught in the middle. The success of our company is my success. I can't expect to be successful as my company's not successful. Yeah. But you know that the thing about the way we have utilities is that they are non-competitive ventures, right? So they have a monopoly on the lines. They um, they have only one regulatory authority that they get to ask for how much money they earn. And then they go about and spend the money the way they want. They don't have to compete in the marketplace the way other companies do that have competition. Well, I'm glad you brought that up because it's my same local, um, we protested in the Capitol years ago with deregulation. You did? Yes, we did. I mean, I've been here 34 years in this government, so I, I, we warned them that this was going to be where we are today. One of the comments that I think um, the, the, the Attorney General's office made that people are leaving the state of Connecticut because of the utility bill. Well, people are leaving no. because of the generation costs for the state and the taxes that we pay here. So don't try to blame the UI that that's the reason why people are leaving. That's, that's not true. So you saw this years ago. You saw we were going to come to this. So let me ask you this, Moses Rams. Was it a better organization 30 years ago before deregulation? I think it was. I think it was. I mean, conceptually, if you thought you were going to make a competitive market, but we all know. Everywhere you go, the gas stations are talking to each other. You can go to Bridgeport and the bodegas are saying, what are we charging for milk? Um, and there's no way for us to... Right. And so when it shifted to become these multinational profit, you know, shareholder and the way that the people at the top get paid, the CEOs, is they get paid with stock options. So therefore, they would argue, don't look at our salary. Our salaries are not 300 times what the line workers make. The reason it looks so much more, like so much more money, which it is, is because when we got the job, we got offered stock options and the stock went up. But why does the stock go up? 
The stock goes up because the person that, as a fiduciary responsibility, the board of directors have to care about is the stockholder. It's not you, and it's not me as the rate payer. Their fiduciary responsibility is to the stockholder. And so it, to some extent, perverts, in my opinion, this is just my opinion, the mission of a utility. Because the mission of a utility with a captive audience of ratepayers and users and people who need to fix our lines, right, that mission should be to sustain the utility. Agreed. I mean, take into comparison, the state of Connecticut is a monopoly. I can't choose to pay tax in New York. I can't choose to say I, I want to f- fall under Florida's rules. So how are we regulating that? That's that's <laughs> what we that's called a democracy. It's a democracy. What are we going to do? Will you take a call? We've got Ralph from Bridgeport. He wants to say hi. Ralph, hello. You're on the air with Moses Rams, the leader of our UI union. Yeah, yes, Mr. Rams, I want to thank you for taking the time. I have great support for UI. I'm 63. I'm a retired union bridge construction worker. I want to make a comment about something that happened in 2011, I believe, and then you could elaborate on it. I think it was in 2011. I thought it was an outrage. The UI laid off 100 linesmen, yet the higher-ups got these unbelievable raises. And several months after they laid you guys off, there was a bad storm. I remember driving on Park Avenue near where I live on Madison and seeing utility companies from four different states, New York, Massachusetts, Vermont and New Hampshire. I just thought that was an outrage when that happened. And I remember you guys were going to the Capitol. All right, sir, you could elaborate on it. God bless. You as well. Thank you. Well, I we didn't have a layoff. In my 34 years at UI, we haven't had not one layoff. There have been times where our numbers were lower and the backfilling of jobs didn't occur as quickly as we'd like. But there was never a time where... Um, we were laid off. And what this individual probably saw with, during storms, we have the mutual assistance agreement with many other utilities that come in and give us a hand. So you don't, so you're saying that uh, Ralph misremembers, you don't recall in your 30 year history? We have never had a layoff okay. on the union side, especially in particular people that are delivering the electricity. It's hard enough to get people to do this. Okay, I'm looking. I, the only thing I'm seeing here is back in 19. 19- let me see. 1993, SNET did 900 layoffs. Uh, yes. That's huge. They did, for sure. And, and that, that was a long time ago. And that impacted us because, you know, we had to then pick up the slack. Yeah, but that was in 1993. It was a long time yes. ago. Let me just see here. United Technologies did, but I'm just looking at United Illuminating. I'm not seeing any. I'm, I'm, I might be missing it, but just as a fast Google search, I'm not seeing it. Uh and in fact, the labor market continues to tighten in your industry because I think it's harder and harder to get people to do what you do. Absolutely. It really is. Are any women on the lines? Yes. Was, yeah? Yeah. We've Tell had, me about we've that. We've had a, uh, a number of women, not as many as we'd like. Uh, it's a tough job. I and... can't climb the pole, I'm telling you right now. <laughs> I never could, and I can't now. <laughs> and that's pretty, that's pretty common. It's, but uh... Melissa could. My Melissa. Melissa oh, Chesney. Oh, yeah, she was a jacked. gymnast. She, she could, could climb it probably with no hands. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it's it's uh it's rewarding for them as well and uh our guys are so open to them being there it's you know it's it's a brotherhood and a sisterhood now so it's nice it's very nice very very yes. nice what would you say as a, a leader not union but a leader in other words a manager 
of your men, which I assume you're a supervisor of your men, what is the biggest challenge in getting people to be their best at their job? I can't honestly say that I experienced that because the the men and women that I work for with have an extreme passion for what we do. You, you similar to the passion that you show in your show, we have the same passion to keep the lights on. So it doesn't take much motivation to say, "Hey, you know, just like this past weekend we had a hurricane. We were yeah. all at work, standing yeah. by waiting anything that happens." And we're giving up our weekends, holidays. You are. Christmas. Last Christmas, we were away. So it, it doesn't take much encouragement. People want to be here. They love what they do. Uh, uh, do you get overtime after eight hours, seven hours, nine hours? How is that? After eight hours. After eight hours. Yeah. And what is the average wage for the linemen in UI right now? What do they get paid? Uh, it varies because there's an apprenticeship program, and then there's guys, old guys like me that have been here a long time. So if, if I was to say an average, probably anywhere between um, 45 to $50 an hour. An hour. And then yeah. is overtime time and a half or double time? Time and a half. Time and a half. Time and a half. And do you have any special, like, um, garb that you wear in these storms that allows you to move your hands and legs freely but also keeps you very warm? Absolutely, and it's all flame resistant. We have an entire catalog of clothes that we buy. Uh, PPE is very important at UI. Um, the union and the, and the management team have a partnership in safety, and as well as in performance. I think this is why we perform as well as we do. Uh, we ha- we're given all the tools and equipment necessary to do the job safely, including training, and the FR clothes are flame resistant. We're here with Moses Rams. We'll be right back. More of the Lisa Wexler Show coming up. Well, he's not the Wichita lineman, but he's the Bridgeport, Fairfield, and Fairfield County lineman. Moses Rams is here with us. He is the leader of the union that is the Line Workers Union. Is that technically what you are, like the Line Workers Union of Free UI? It's called Utility Workers Utility Workers, because it isn't just lines. It's a lot of other people. How computerized are you now, by the way? Um, I, I'm proud to say that I'm pretty computer literate. I never thought I would be, but uh, and as an industry, is yes. it very computerized? Is it very is it, much? Is it working toward the way the car industry has worked, for example, in terms of components being more computerized and like switches from wherever being more computerized? Yeah, we have uh, a series of protections in our system that we can operate remotely. Okay, and then the day to day work comes on a screen, our tablets, uh, and and we do the work that way and you do the work that way uh, i want to play i just took three clips out of that interview with marissa gillette our chairwoman of period just to keep you up to date a lawsuit has been filed challenging this decision but these were remarks that marissa gillette made almost the day after explaining why initially they had turned down almost all of the 131 million dollar rate hike they'd only granted three then upon reconsideration they went up to i think about 26 or 28 million dollars this is the third clip we set rates based on a certain number of employees and what we found in this case was that they had never hired those employees or the employees had left and not been replaced and that came to a total of about 55 million dollars that the company pocketed between 2016 and 2023 for workers that they did not hire. So what we did in this rate case, they asked for more employees. We took a look at those employees, incremental employees, and we gave most of them, but we added that incremental number of employees to their actual headcount, not their bloated headcount that they had approved in the last rate case. 
So you, you see what I mean by mis I really see it. Of, exactly. And yeah. that's why, and you know, these companies are also accused of when they make profits, taking the profits to buy back their stock instead of capital investing in the industries that they're supposed to do. It's the same kind of thing. They get the money because they're allowed to get the money, then they do what they want. Exactly. And that's how the system's set up. And that's why, you know, I think... I think there's a lot wrong in energy regulation, you know, nationally, globally. And one of those things is that customers are set up, not just customers, but we as a society are set up at a constant information disadvantage. And it really requires dedicated regulator, consumer council, um, legislature. It requires so much time and attention to get this right. And, and that's what concerns me. And that was a little bit of so what so what she was saying is she felt that promises were made and not kept again, not your fault you're right. in that respect you're caught in the middle but that's not necessarily accurate either okay one of the things that I'm most proud of I've been union president for twenty years and we we created a strong partnership with management on specifically safety and training okay and all of the line workers and the electricians and the people that that I represent are all the leaders in training. Mm. It's not a separate person. We train ourselves. Okay. So we have subject matter experts doing that. So over the course of the last um, six or seven years during that, that time period, we had a series of line schools. Line schools. In or, other words, training programs? Training programs. So, so we, we you know, recruit and geez, we put it on the Internet and a couple hundred people apply. It's a process. And we've continuously done that. I can show you all the graduation pictures. So are you are you saying that when... When Ms. Gillette of Pura, when she says we're looking at a balance sheet of numbers and we don't see the promises are kept, are you saying that from your point of view, you feel like adequate manning and training has been kept up at UI? Is that I, what I'm hearing? I would say adequate would be a good. I wouldn't say that what she said, that they'd hired no one. Okay. And that's not true. Would I have liked to have more people hired? Absolutely. Uh, especially now with the conditions that I just uh, shared with you about restoring power in 96 hours. You know, when we work a storm, you, you have people out in fields 17 hours out of the day. And when we had the tornadoes and Isaias. I don't know how they keep up that energy. 30 straight days of 17-hour shifts, Monday through Friday, Saturday, Sunday, holidays. So you're, you're not going to continue to expect the same number of people to live up to this standard without giving us additional headcount. Say what you want about we didn't hire enough. Or, okay, I'll, I'll agree with you. We didn't hire enough. It was adequate, but we could, you know, we should hire more right now. So you feel like that piece of the budget that was being asked for was not properly funded? It wasn't properly funded, in my opinion. Okay. In my opinion. Especially okay. with on the heels of this decision, the governor and the state, and I think Ms. Gillette was there, they were proud of their let's go green um, and, and a company like Iberdola, who's a, a national, um, international leader in green energy, is what we want here. We, we are trying to fulfill the model of a green company. And, and as opposed to some of the municipalities that try to have their own uh, way of distributing power, they don't have the investment capital. And you, so you don't hear about green projects in some of the municipalities. What I'm well, one of the things they criticize, we're chatting with Moses Rams, is that UI was supposed to 
clean up. Well, a Von Grid coming into UI was supposed to clean up, and I don't remember where the site was. English Station. Okay, English Station, mm-hmm. and they needed to do that. You, do you have anything to do with that? I don't have anything to do with that, no. Yeah. I mean, I worked there when we used to have the Did power you? plants. Really? Yeah, when I first started um, on Grand Avenue in New Haven. Is it a mess? Uh, it's an ugly old it's building. Ugly, ugly, it's an ugly yeah. old building. That's ugly and angry. That's ugly and angry. <laughs> it's ugly and angry. <laughs> they got to clean up the mess. They inherited it. They got to clean it up. They have to clean it up. There's no debating. Yeah. That. Tell me a little bit about, because I'm so interested in chatting with you, about this green thing. What are ways in which we should be or could be that you see every day more efficient, more beneficial to the environment? Well, you know, the, the emissions, right, from the cars. The electric vehicles are taking care of that. Um, but right now, the, the demand is going to continue to increase. So, I mean, think about everybody, multiple cars at each home connected to Plugging in, plugging, plugging in, plugging in, in, plugging in. And it's the same wires. We haven't upgraded. We haven't gone with bigger wires, bigger poles. Are they going to be able to handle if unless, in other words, can, from what you know, can our existing infrastructure handle the increased capacity that is going to come with these houses as it as it is right now no 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 but but we have time to build and this is where a rate case i think part of the rate case there was a bunch of charging stations if i'm not sure the number but 150 charging stations that we were tasked to to build in in you mean for cars for cars yeah and um that's been reduced as well so that's a, that's where I think the partnership would take place with the commissioners and say, we all want to go green. The governor wants to go green. We all think it's the right thing to do. And, and here's additional funds so that we can build together these charging stations. You think maybe there should be more mechanisms to, uh, along the way, uh, enforce the promises that are made? I absolutely believe everybody should keep their promise. Um, th- th- and there should be a, a penalty if you don't. I don't disagree with that. I yeah. mean, this the society we live in, you know. Yeah. Well, Moses Rams, it's really been nice to get to know you. Really. It's a pleasure to be here. Really, really nice. So I understand you live in Hamden. I do. And you've got kids and grandkids. Yes. Are they staying in Connecticut? What do you think? Is it I, happening? I hope so. You hope so. <laughs> it would break my heart to lose them. Right? <laughs> yeah. And have they found jobs in the community and all that stuff? Oh, absolutely. Um, um my oldest one uh, is the one with the two kids, uh, and my youngest, who's 17, is a high school senior. High school senior. In Hamden? In Hamden. Yeah. yeah. Has it been a nice community for you? Hamden is a beautiful community. I, I, the only thing I don't like about Hamden, I think it's the second highest taxed town in the state. Really? Yeah, the, the mill rate in Hamden. Don't, don't call me. I'm not, I'm not 100% sure, but it's high. But it feels it. It feels <laughs> it. And, and that's the reason why people have such a hard time retiring here in the state. Because you are now on a fixed income, but you're getting hit with ten to fifteen thousand dollars a year in taxes. We're How trying you... to make it better, trying to make it better. No, but I mean by taxing less of our social security things that we used to do years ago. They're trying to make it better. We absolutely need people to be retiring here. They are the most stable, uh, least propensity to crime, most propensity to volunteer, to give back to their community segment of society. We need people to hang around. Hundred percent. A hundred percent we need people to hang around. Well, it's really a pleasure to meet you. I hope now that you've been here, you'll become a, a full-time listener to the show. That's what I hope. And this podcast is going to be available wherever you listen to podcasts. Uh, and uh, this has been a conversation with Moses Rams of the United Illuminating 
Union representing the utility workers for United Illuminating right in our own community. Uh, and Mr. Rams believes that in this particular situation, he is a partner with the company and he would be an advocate for uh, increased budget to be able to do more training. Is that a fair statement? That's a very fair statement. That's a fair statement. Well, you're invited back on any time, and it's really been a pleasure to get to know you. Same here. Really. Thank you. Uh, we're going to be back with the next hour live of the Lisa Wexler Show. Stick around, 203-333-9422. Do we have any guests coming up in the next hour? Oh, and Martha Zoller. Oh, I haven't spoken with her. Martha Zoller, I believe, of WDUN will be joining us at 1115. We'll be right back. Want to get a chiseled look in the jawline? Sculpt and shape your jawline with added volume from Juvederm Volux XC. Juvederm Volux XC is an injectable gel specifically designed to be robust enough to improve moderate to severe loss of jawline definition. And it is the first and only hyaluronic acid filler approved for the jawline. Add volume to your jawline for a chiseled look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M dot com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Thank you for listening. If you liked what you heard, please share it with your friends. And as always, feel free to contact me at Lisa at LisaWexler.com.